Well, it is good to be back in front of you again. I hope that you have all had a wonderful start. As for those of us with kids, a wonderful start of the school year. I know this is, when I was growing up, this was traditionally the last weekend of the summer. It's not that way anymore. School started weeks ago. So, and eventually, unfortunately, school will actually, I think my birthday, which is the first part of August, will actually be in school, and I never thought that would ever happen. But it is good to be back in front of you again today. I just want to let you know that, that as far as the, sh the shepherds here, we are very thankful for, for your support for us. We are learning how to do our job still. We're learning how to be good shepherds for you, and we appreciate your support I want you to know that, you know, we support Jason fully, and we're extremely excited that Patrick is coming. Him and Grace, if you haven't had a chance to meet them, just a wonderful couple that are going to bring a whole new set of experiences and skill sets that we're just going to embrace in what we're doing here. I'd like to tell you all that the prayer cards that Jason talks about every Sunday, I want you to know that all the elders get them, and that we spend our week praying over those cards. So if you put your name and a prayer request on that card, know that it is prayed and we look at them and we pray for you guys. So know that, that that's not just going into a black hole. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and we talk about things that we hear from, from you and we let the shepherds know and we pray about it. And then at 9 o'clock, if anybody needs specific prayers, many of you here have come to visit with us, that we know that we will pray over you at 9 o'clock. The only thing we ask is let us know you're coming so we don't double or triple book you. But let us know, and we are more than happy. We want you to come in and know that we are praying for you. Well, like I said, this is Labor Day weekend. And, you know, this actually got its start back in the 1800s. And it was an idea that the American worker wouldn't need to be recognized. I don't know about you, but all Labor Day means for me is I need to do more labor at my house. So it's not a day off. It's not fun. It's more work for me. It's supposed to be about relaxing, spending time, having a barbecue with friends and family. But you know, sometimes it is about work, isn't it? Sometimes life is hard, isn't it? It's hard. Do you have a job where you have that boss that you just don't like? He's hard on you, she's hard on you, it's rough. Do you have bad days with the traffic, where you get mad at the traffic and what the, we won't call them names, other drivers are doing and cutting you off and getting your way and not turning their blinkers on? Yeah, we all know that. Yeah. We all probably do that too. Do you have difficult situations? You, you know, I appreciate the song that, that Clint led today because you don't know when things are going to happen. We have really, we have a lot of good things in our life, but life is hard. I mean, look at, look at the news today. What do you see? There's war, has been war in the Middle East for a long time. And there's new groups of, we call them radicals. They probably call themselves what we would call patriots for us. They probably call themselves patriots. Who, their philosophy is, we need to go kill and, and, and kidnap everybody who doesn't believe just like us. Yeah, it's hard out there, isn't it? Have any of you been touched by cancer? I'd be willing to bet you every single one of you will raise your hand. Yeah, we know we've either had cancer, you may have had cancer yourself and you've battled it, 
or you've had a loved one that's had cancer. Maybe has survived it. Maybe didn't. We have illnesses too, don't we? Non-cancer illnesses. We have diseases that take away our loved one's memories. We have diseases that take away our physical strength. What's the big craze right now on the internet? ALS, right? The ice bucket challenge. Paige did the ice bucket challenge. I mean, some of you have taken the ice. And what's ALS? Lou Lou Gehrig's disease. Horrible disease that strikes the person and takes away everything about them. And it 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 does not discriminate against age. You can be in your 20s and get it. And you can be in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. It's out there. A friend of mine is the, uh, or was, the uh, sergeant in charge of robbery at uh, APD. And he was telling me that most, if not the majority, of home evasions nowadays are due to people breaking into your home so they can steal your stuff to go sell it to buy drugs. It affects all of us, doesn't it? It affects all of us. And you know, I have to bring up where I work, and for all the visitors here, I have to tell you that I do come from an apostolistic profession. (laughs) You guys don't believe me? Okay, the two apostolic professions that you know of are what? Fishing Fishing and? There you go, I'm not a fisherman. (laughs) So therefore, I want to read you a little article about something that's been happening lately in our area. And this was in Forbes magazine. It's written by a lady by the name of Ashley Ebling. Five ways to spot a fake IRS call. She says, it's getting personal. An IRS impersonator called me threatening to take legal action. When I got home from a middle school open house, there was a frightening message on my answer machine. It was Officer Julie Miller from the Internal Revenue Service who had left a threatening message demanding the second you receive this message, I need you or your retained attorney to return return the call, 202-506-9983. I repeat, it's 202-506-9983. Don't disregard this message, and do return the call before we take any legal allegation against you. The issue of hand is extremely time-sensitive. She says, I pressed the delete button. Today, the IRS issued a consumer alert warning taxpayers about these threatening calls from telephone scam artists pretending to be with the IRS. The bad English from the alleged Julie Miller was one giveaway that it was a fake call. It goes on to say the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, we call him TIGDA, has received 90,000 complaints through its telephone hotline and identified approximately 1,100 victims who have lost an estimated $5 million to this. It's not easy out there, is it? We have people that want to take what we have for themselves. The last thing that I want to tell you I see that is out there is hate. You see a lot of hate out there, don't you? A lot, a lot of hate. Sometimes it's, it's, it's evil, rotten, mean people. Sometimes it's actually people who think they're doing good, but by the hate they have, they cause damage. Sometimes even inside the church, we see that. Mary Angelou, who you've heard of recently because she just recently passed away, had this quote about hate, and I think it's very good. She said, hate it has caused a lot of problems in, in this world, but not solved one yet. And that's true. So what do we do? What do we do because we live in this, this world? 
Well, we're in Philippians, so we're going we're to get our text from Philippians. But one of the things that a lot of individuals do, which we're not going to go into, is they go to something else to help them through this time period. Many of them get addictions. They have alcohol, they have drugs, they have work, they have gambling, they have to do something. We're not going to go that route. But that in and of itself is very, very hard. But a lot of us look to say, hey, I'm an American, right? And what's our American motto? We're going to pull our boots on and we're going to go out and do it. So what do we do? That's right. So what do we do? Have any of you gone to Barnes & Noble lately and looked at the self-help section? How big is it? About that big? Or is it huge, right? We have people saying, we can help you to figure out how to solve all your problems if you read our book. And granted, there are some really good books. I don't mean to discredit a lot of the self-help. But everybody's got an idea of how they can help. So, some of the titles. How about this? How to win friends and influence people. You heard that one? How to let go. Okay, this one, he's just not that into you. Okay. The magic of thinking big. The last one, I haven't read these books, or parts of them, The Happiness Project. Well, the list goes on and on and on. The one I like the best is the Geico commercial. I don't know if you know which one I'm talking about. It's got Pinocchio as a motivational speaker. And he's talking about, I see untapped potential. And he points out and says, I see untapped potential in you. And his nose grows. He goes, and I see untapped potential in you. And his nose grows farther. Don't we see that out there? But you know, Paul has some things he needs to tell us. And he needed to tell the Philippians about things. Because where was Paul when he was writing the letter to the Philippians? He was in jail. Okay, we have to get outside of our mind about what a jail looks like. Because we think, many of us, how many of you grew up watching Andy Griffith? Or at least saw it. Okay, remember the jail self? Mandy Griffith had the doilies and the blanket. And, and there was Otis, who, you know, the key was right out. Otis would come in after he drank too much at night and put himself in. He'd sleep it off. Well, we do know that Paul eventually got to a house for prison, but he was, he was guarded there. But Roman prisons weren't anything like we think of prisons were. There were many levels of prisons. The one probably that Paul was in was the top level. And it was very similar. There's one right now. If you've been to Rome and you've seen it, you can come tell me later what it looks like. But I believe it's called the Mamertine Prison. And there's actually a church over it now. And the um, ancient historian Sallust said this about Mamertine. It was 12 feet below ground. And neglect, darkness, and stench made it hideous and fearsome to behold. And that's the good place to be. That's the good place. Most of them were underground. One opening into the underground. So think about it. If you're underground, there's no toilets. There's no food. There's rats. Is that, and that's where the holding cell is. That's not where the good place is. So Paul's writing this book possibly from this. So how do you think his life's going so far right now? Think, you think he's doing good? And he says, guys, let me tell you something. So we're going to start in Philippians chapter 3. So we're going to try in, in, in a brief time to wrap up Philippians today. So in Philippians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 10. And we're going to read what Paul has to tell us 
when we're in those moments. Starting in verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to obtain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or already have been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Jesus has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's in a prison cell. And Paul says, first thing, what? I want to know the power of the resurrection. Paul says, I have hope. I have hope because there's something out there that is more powerful than me. And that's a really interesting thought because I think we can all sit down and go, yes, I agree, we need hope. It's the problem is, is the next thing he says. Again, and I'm going to keep reminding you this so you understand where Paul's coming from. Paul is in prison, maybe a dark, dank, nasty prison. And he says, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. He says, Jesus, not only do I want to know the power of the resurrection, I want to share in your sufferings. And he is right there. Why? Because if someone hasn't told you yet, if you're going to follow Christ, you're going to have sufferings. Amen. It's coming. I... The first thing when I read this, the other passage that came into mind right off the bat, John 15. What did John 15, what did Jesus tell his disciples there on that last night? He says, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. I chose you out of the world, that's why the world hates you. So the first thing Paul is writing from a prison cell and says, I got to share in his suffering." So you're going to have some suffering to share. But he says, I have hope. In what? In the resurrection. Because I have hope because what is coming is so much better than where it's at. Because I'm going to obtain resurrection. And what Paul says is interesting. The last verse that we just read there. He said, Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which what? God has called me heavenward. It's not that I'm going to get there. It's God is calling me heavenward. He says, I have a hope. Okay, now at the risk of getting in trouble, and I may get in trouble over this, if you remember the last time I was here, I told you a story about what was happening that weekend. That my daughter was playing in a volleyball tournament. In this volleyball tournament, I couldn't be there because I was here preaching. And I had to rush afterwards. Well, we've ended that season, and now we're on to the next thing, which is high school ball. Well, she really wanted to go out and work hard in high school, and we were pretty sure she had made the team, because over the summer, she had got invited to a varsity-only event. So we were pretty sure she made it, but we didn't know what. And Paige was really good at this, because she said, I don't care what team I make. I just want to make a team. I'm happy with both. So the day came. Donna and I drive up to uh, El Dorado, and we're waiting for Paige to come out, and we start seeing some girls come out. 
And these are girls we know. And they're crying because they've been cut. And that's hard. I mean, we lived through that with Riley, that he got cut from a sport. It's hard. It's hard to take, especially when you're a young kid, to realize that you've been cut. But Paige calls us and she says, I made varsity. And so we're all excited because now she's on varsity. Not only did she make a team, she made the varsity team, one of three sophomores at the school to make varsity. So we're excited. Well, then guess what? Coach says, I got two hitters in front of you. One's a senior and one's a junior. I'm going to need you to do something else. I'm going to need you to play on the other side of the court. And if you know volleyball, if you've been to a volleyball game, which I'm learning so much about volleyball because of Paige, they actually have positions. You know, how many of you played volleyball and you just rotate, right? <laughs> no, that's not how they do it. You have a position and that's where you play every time. No matter where you're at on the front row, you play in the same position. On the back row, you play the same position. The coach told her, I need you to move on the other side. And she said, you need to trust me because I know what I'm doing. She had to struggle a little bit. She had to decide, am I going to believe coach? Am I not? And Paige said, I'm going to step up and I'm going to believe coach that she's got my best interest in mind. And so she told the coach, I'll do it. That's the easy part. That's the easy part. Because now she's got to go do it. And that's hard. And isn't that like us now? We struggle. We have struggles. We're maybe have just lost our job. We maybe just moved to a new town. We maybe just been diagnosed with something. Our loved one's been diagnosed with something. We have to go do something, and it's hard. And we have to struggle. And Paul says, where was Paul again? In prison. And he says, I have hope in the power of the resurrection. He says, I know that God is calling me heavenward, and therefore I'm excited. Remember what he said just a little bit before then? He says, for me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. Paul says, I'm not concerned so much about this world and the struggles in this world because I have hope in the resurrection. That's right. That's right. You know, I love it when the little kids come up and pray. You know, when they get up here and pray and their sweet little prayers, and they say, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for mommy. Thank you for daddy. Thank you for my whatever pet. Thank you for my Legos. Thank you for my baby doll. Amen. Don't, don't we love those prayers? And the first thing they always say is, thank you for this day. And I think that is so important. Because the older we get, we forget to thank God for the day. When he used me, the only time I'll use me as an example, but when I go to work, no matter what day it is, they say, how are you doing today? I go, it's a beautiful day. Monday morning, it's a beautiful day because God made it. It's raining outside. It's a more beautiful day in New Mexico if it's raining outside. <laughs> we need the rain. If it's snowing, it's a beautiful, Troy, if it's snowing, it's a beautiful day. Woohoo! It's a beautiful day. A couple of years ago, I was teaching a class in Cincinnati, and I go to work. I try to be as upbeat. Not always, but I try to be upbeat. And I said something to one of the students about, you know, it's a great day, it's a beautiful day, and they looked at me and said, do you really believe that? I hear that a lot. And this is the reply I gave them, and I give this reply just about every time. 
I said, well, we have a friend whose wife is about the age of my wife, whose son is the age of my son, who was diagnosed with colorectal cancer. You know her. And she died. I didn't think I'd cry over this one. And my wife's best friend, Annie, at the same time, was diagnosed with breast cancer. Annie, by the way, is doing great. Had the mastectomy, is cancer-free, is doing great. So I ask that person, and I say, yeah, I think it's a beautiful day. Because God's blessed me. Because we have a hope in the power of the resurrection. Martin Luther King puts it this way. He said, we must accept finite disappointment, but never infinite hope. Another phrase I want to read you. Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. I'm going to read that one more time. Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. You know who said that? Helen Keller said that. Blind Blind and deaf. So, I want to look at the next passage. We're going to flip over right now to... Oh, I'm sorry, one more thing. One more thing. Heavenward. You knew I had to bring this in somehow. But Winston says... You all know Winston. Winston says, well, okay, not my Winston. For those of you who know my Winston, he just says, but the Winston says, Winston Churchill says, and this is something that you need to hear. He said, success consists of going from failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm. Because we're going to go down. We're going to have failures. But he says, you've got to have enthusiasm. So turn over in Philippians to chapter 4. We're going to read 4 through 7. Passage we all know. It's a passage we all love. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. So if we have this hope, what do we do? Paul says, Winston, you got it right. You got it right. Because what do you have to do? Where was Paul again? And Paul said to do what? Rejoice. He said, because you're going to get down and you need to be healed. And the only way you can be healed is you got to start rejoicing. And you say, Lee, yeah, right. There's no way you can. How do you rejoice when you're down? Paul gave you the answer. We take that passage and we move it out because it's such a wonderful passage that we say, it's got to be up here all by itself. I wish I had one of those, you know, the, the, the screens that Tony Stark uses, you know. He throws stuff like that. I wish I had that right now. I could take that passage and throw it up here. Why do we need to pray? So that we can rejoice. That's why it's there. Listen to it again. He says, do not be anxious about anything, because if you're anxious, you're not going to rejoice. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why? So that I can rejoice. 
pray. Because if I can't rejoice, I can't have the healing I need. Because Paul's in prison, and he's saying, I need to rejoice. I need to rejoice. I need to rejoice. Because he says, you got the hope. He says, and I'm going to give you the healing. And why am I going to give you the healing? Because of the last little part, the last verse, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. He says, that's what I'm going to do. You're going to need the healing, and I'm going to give it to you because I'm going to guard it. But you've got to rejoice. When you're at the lowest, you've got to rejoice. You have to wake up in the morning and say, it's a beautiful day on Monday morning. Not tomorrow morning because you're off. Okay, tomorrow morning you say, yeah, it's a beautiful morning because I don't have to go to work. So Tuesday morning, you've got to go to work. You've got to go to school. You've got to do whatever you're going to do. And you've got to say, it's a beautiful day. So where does that lead us? We know we have hope. We know we have harmony. And you know me. I've got to have the alliteration. Because I've got to have you remember one more thing. So we're going to read 8 and 9. What does 8 and 9 say? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Got to keep the alliteration. God says, after you believe in the hope and after you're in the healing, you're going to find harmony. And what do I mean you're going to find harmony? How many of you is it very hard to see things that are noble and pure and right? I'm going to tell you that when you have the hope and when you're rejoicing in the day and in your praying and God is guarding your heart, you will see the beautiful things, the purity, the right, the lovely, the admiral, the excellent. These are the things that you will see because God is guarding you, because you have the harmony. Okay, I made some comments about self-help books, and now I'm going to quote one. Because when I read the quote, I said, I'm not sure. I see what he's saying, but not why he's saying it. The guy's name is Guy Finley. You may have heard of him. He's written lots of books. You can listen to him. You can read his books. He had one phrase that I, li I like. It says, if you want light to come into your life, you need to stand where it's shining. Yeah. But that's not what I thought of. I thought of John 1. I thought when John is telling us that if you want light to come into your life, well, if in him was life, and that life is the light of men, the light shines on the darkness, but the darkness does not understand it. So, Guy, I agree with you. If you want light in your life, you better be standing where Jesus is because he is the light of the world. And I agree completely with him. And why do we do, how can we do all of this? That last verse. Because the God of peace will dwell with you. How do you write a song? It is well with my soul. Because the God of peace is dwelling in you. How do you be in a prison cell that's dank and dark and dirty with rats and cockroaches and whatever else nasty stuff and say, rejoice in the Lord because peace is upon us. 
because he's been practicing it. And finally, how do we wrap it all up? How do we wrap all this up? Turn over to Philippians 3. We have one more part we want to read. I know I'm taking from the middle, not the end. But it flows so well. 3 verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our body, our lowly bodies, so they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and I long for, my joy, my crown, that is how you stand firm in the Lord. That is how you stand firm in the Lord. I'm not here to tell you that, that the gospel following Christ is easy. I'm not preaching to you that if you're a Christian, every good thing in this world is going to happen to you, and you're going to have all the money and all the health, and nothing bad's going to happen. I'm here to tell you it's going to happen. You're going to have disappointments. You're going to have setbacks. Why? Because there is someone who's trying so hard to take us away from God. And the stronger we get to God, the more he wants us away from God. But God says you've got to have hope in the resurrection. And I will give you the healing to handle that low time. And I'm going to give you the harmony to when you look out there every morning. It's a beautiful morning because I have hope in the resurrection. Yeah, I can. I'll tell you about the self-help books. The self-help book is the Bible. And it's following God. It's trusting in God. Because Paul said, I'm not going to read a book and pull myself up by the bootstraps. Because if you haven't noticed, most times when you pull yourself up by the bootstrap, the strap break. And now I guess a boot you can't put on. But God says, as in Isaiah, there's a hand that's reaching down. That's the only way you're going to get up. He says it's not going to be easy. You know, Paul never said that, that, that when you're doing the hope and the healing and the harmony, that the bad things are going to go away. They're going to stay. He just says, I'm going to make it where you're in the midst of the prison and you see what's pure and noble and admirable. That's the message that Paul has given the Philippians. And that's the message that Paul is giving us. That we can, together, we can do it. I don't know where you're at today. You may be doing fine, and thank God for that. You may be struggling a little bit. And have shepherds down here. We're going to have a time of prayer that we can have where we can pray with you. We're going to be in the back. Elders are going to be in the back. And while Clint is leading us in a song, if you need us to pray for you right now, come and we'll pray for you. Just stay right there. We'll pray for you. If there's things that we can do for you, we're going to pray for you. Because that's what we do here. I told you, we're a praying church. So if there's anything that we can do while we sing, we can stand. If you can need to, you can come forward.